This is another sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another damn sports podcast. I am Drew Torres. Buddy Mike is here. Steve, the Oracle Dent Blaker, is here. Last week, we had a different team with me and Nick Badula talking about all of the fun NFL action. But we have the normal team back, and I'm sure they are excited to talk about their team's exciting games. But Money Mike, how are you doing today on this fine Tuesday night? I'm doing good. I didn't really know how to react after the Giants-Washington game. Uh, I was like, okay. It's good not to lose, but I hate ties as a principle. I think ties are stupid. You have to have a result. So it's like, I'm not really happy about this, but I'm not sad like I would be if we lost. Because I think everybody that was watching that game, that whether you were a Washington fan or you were a Giants fan, there were points in the game where you thought our team should have won. And there were definitely moments in the game where I thought the Giants should have closed that out and won it. So I was disappointed from that standpoint. But looking forward at the wild card race, maybe a tie is going to help us in a scenario where a team like Seattle that beat us, if they have one more loss than we do, we're in uh, by default. So that was kind of uh, – it was a weird feeling. I've never experienced that because this is the first time the Giants have had a tie since 1997, and I haven't been watching football that long. So this is my first time experiencing it with my team. So it was a weird feeling. But I'm feeling great about the Boston Celtics, <laughs> best record in basketball. Well, there you go. It's always good to feel good about something. Unfortunately, I can't imagine if you're a fan at the live game and you experience a tie. You watch for all that time, get so invested, and nobody comes out as the victor. That has to be a tough experience, and I hope I never do experience that. But what I do hope to experience is uh, another fun game with the Minnesota Vikings live uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, although this time around I hope that the Jaguars beat them whenever we finally do watch them live. But, uh, Steve... We watched your Minnesota Vikings defeat the Mike White-led Jets, and I'm sure that had to feel good. I know it was a little nerve-wracking towards the end. The last five minutes were a little wild with the Jets having two opportunities to drive down and score and give themselves a one-point lead or two-point lead if they converted with the extra point. But they end up falling to your Vikings 27-22. to How did you feel with that? Uh, with how that game went? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was pretty nerve-wracking. That's kind of how the Vikings games have gone this whole year. Um, I talk about it most weeks. Last year, they were the team that lost pretty much almost every close game, and now they're the team that win every close game. I think they have an NFL record-setting win. Uh, nine out of their ten wins are come within eight points, one score, and their only win that's not within that range is that Packers win where they blew them out at the start of the season, which is pretty crazy. Um, they are 9-1 and one in those games, which is pretty nuts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like you said, kind of just – par for the course for a Vikings game this year. It, it's going to come down to the wire, and hopefully the bend-but-not-break defense holds up. And even though it was pretty nerve-wracking as a fan that did its job, even though if I was Mike White, I'd be pretty mad at Berrios for dropping that pass to the end zone. That should have been caught. But for the Vikings' sake, it didn't. And honestly, for all our Bills fans for the AFC East, I mean, Vikings did beat the Bills and all the AFC East, but that means they took out wins against the Dolphins and the Jets, so it's kind of leveled the playing field for the Bills and put them back up on top. So Bills fans are probably pretty excited about that as well, too. That has to be one of the most enjoyable things for you as a Vikings fan is the fact that they have been able to pull out all four games that they played against the AFC East this year. I mean, and it's a tough division, as we've seen with all four of them. And 
some of the games were close, some of them weren't, right? And it looks like the Vikings really are an elite team in the NFL. And obviously, every team has their questions, right? Like, like the Vikings have fallen flat on a couple occasions this season, right? But they're finding ways to win against good competition. That's all you can ask for, especially going into an assured playoff spot. Um, so, you feeling pretty good, Steve? Yeah, technically not yet. I know. <laughs> I mean, but... yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. It, we... <laughs> I think I saw a stat today, the Vikings, the Eagles, and I believe there was one other team can clinch a playoff spot this week. So it'll, it'll start coming pretty soon. And obviously I don't think that any of the teams aligns with that because the Bears could catch up with us. So at least that's divisional and a home game for the Vikings. So like you said, I mean, as a Vikings fan, you can't really be upset. Would I like to be winning a few of these games by a little bit more? Against some of the bad teams we face, like I said, against AFC East teams, all of them are pretty good, decent this year. So that's not that's anything to complain about. But maybe some of these bad teams, hope the Vikings can actually show up and put some more points on the board instead of making them a one-score game. But again, being 10-2, you can't really complain. So Before we move on to the next game where both offenses seem to struggle at times, I just want to ask you one more question about this game. What was it that kind of kept the Vikings from winning by more than a five-point margin, kind of just making it a little bit more of a comfortable win? Was it just more of the same with the Kirk Cousins struggles, the Jets' defense doing what they have been doing all season? Yeah, I think a combination of both. And honestly, I love Kevin O'Connell calling the plays. Um, I think he does a great job. But like I said, they come out, and we know every NFL team has at least the first couple drives, but definitely the first drive set, what the plays are going to be. And the Vikings always look great that first drive, or at least first one or two drives. And then there's this period where they go into half, and they might have the lead then, but they come out of the half pretty stagnant, and then a team always catches up. It's been almost the same that happened with the Patriots the week before. I mean, it's just pretty pretty par for the course for them in terms of like because they have this middle part where it's like they almost like just don't play football anymore for a little bit and then the team catches up and then they're the fourth quarter hits they're like oh yeah we have to actually try to play again and and win i i don't know if that's trying to run out the clock a little bit more because obviously a lot of it is trying to get delvin cook involved as well and he's had a decently solid year this year if you especially look at his yards but it just seems like he's not affecting a ton of games besides that one run he had against the Bills. That was pretty, that was pretty crazy, <laughs> game breaking. But, um, so yeah, I I think it's kind of a combination of both to answer your question. I think the Jets D definitely stepped up, but I think there's this lull in the Vikings game, pretty much in the middle of every game they play. I don't know if it's a combination of Kirk and Kevin's play calls, but kind of seems seems to be what it is. Sure, and obviously with this podcast going forward, we're gonna talk a little bit more about the teams that matter. Uh, so I, I want to ask you one more question about the Vikings, actually, and, and we'll just say we're not going to talk much about the Jacks today. They pissed me off, and uh, they, they're done, so we're, we're not going to talk about them much. But I want to ask you one more question. Have the Vikings, obviously, when we look at uh, NFL teams, we want to see them be able to come back from a pretty significant uh, deficit and be able to will their team back, put up points quick, and make it a game when at one point throughout the game it didn't look like it was. Uh, have the Vikings been able to do that this season, or have they really been kind of working with small leads, or they've been able to overcome very small deficits? Uh, Bills, I mean, they oh, were that's down by right. yeah, that, that's yeah. Right. yeah. But 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 besides that, no. I mean, it pretty much like their mo has been they get a pretty decent lead if 
well, at least a touchdown lead, I would say, in a team. And you think that you could at least, if they score, then hopefully the Vikings come back and score. But usually it's the Vikings score one or two, and then another team scores another one or two touchdowns, and it's usually close near the end is kind of how it seems to be. So besides that one Packers game, obviously they put up a ton of points. First game of the year, so you kind of not throw it away. But um, it's, again, been the outlier compared to all the rest of their wins that have been within one score game. But besides the Bills game, that one they did come back. So it shows they can, but if they got to the playoffs and a team like Dallas or the Eagles puts up 50 points on us, I don't see us having a Kirk Cousins led offense, even with all the studs on the team making a comeback like that. Maybe they can change my mind these last few games, but it just seems like the Vikings need a lead and then they need to hopefully play through that lead and not just like let teams back in is probably how they're going to achieve success in the playoffs. And that makes sense. I mean, we've talked about ad nauseum uh, throughout this season that the Vikings and Giants are very, very similar. So I guess we'll dive into Mm -hmm. A little bit more detail behind this Giants-Commanders game that ended in a 20-20 to tie. A very disappointing ending. Sir Burrito Bandit here says, Ayo, fuck ties, bro. What a terrible system. W's and L's only. Ties are L's for everyone involved. Money Mike, would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of ties. I mean, my dad was uh, on tape delay with the game because uh, he had something going on. So he texted me, uh, your favorite thing, laughing emoji. Because he knows how much I hate ties. Because I think ties are just, it's just stupid. You have to have a result. You have to have a result. They need to – you have to play a second overtime. Like, why, why is the NFL so against that? Why are they pro-tie? I don't, I don't understand it. Because um, it doesn't seem like the players really like it either. Got to be time constraints, right? Like, yeah. with sponsors and getting out – that would be my assumption. It, but it's, it's more football, Steve. It's more eyes on I, I like the I'm, I'm with, football rules. I think it, the college I'm with football you, rules but... are fun. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. So, like, you know, the Giants just – this was a game of runs. It kind of felt like, kind of like a basketball game where one team made a run, then another team made a run, and they exchanged touchdowns. In the second. They both looked pathetic in the second half offensively. And we had a 20-13 to 13 lead with one minute 47 to go. We had them on fourth down at the 10-yard line. And I'm thinking – and they, they the offensive line for Washington, they lost their center. So I'm like, just pressure the center, get Heineke down or swat of his pass down. And he scrambles out of the pocket. We're going to get him. And he just throws this lob up in the air and gets a first down. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And then that's the drive that they score all the way down. It's like, because the Giants defense this year has been pretty good at Ben, don't break. Like, don't give up the touch. Like, give up a field goal for all I care. Make it 20 to 16. Who gives a fuck? But don't give up the touchdown. And they did. And and then the Giants come out, um, you know, once Washington scored, it's like, okay, the Giants have enough time to get in field goal range. And the first pass Daniel Jones throws, it's right on Slayton's hands, and he dropped it. He would have caught that at, like, the 50-yard line. And we would have had, like, a minute and multiple timeouts to just get a few more completions to get a pretty close field goal to hit the winner. That's a big issue for you guys this season, right? Just consistent drops by the receivers? Yeah, the receiver core is not very strong to begin with. And on top of that, when you get your opportunities, you're dropping them all. Like, Slayton's our only deep threat, and he drops, like, 15% of the passes thrown to him. You You thought Kenny Galladay would have been that guy, right? Oh, don't yeah he's terrible <laughs> and 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 the thing is is that uh vilma was doing the commentating uh for this game he was the player commentator and he goes the last thing you want to do is put this on the shoulders of daniel jones and i was like oh that's a shot right to the heart because it's, it's just we talk about it all the time the giants are not a team that's built to come from behind 
And they're also not a team that you can really count on in a like late drive to just go and get it. Like they did it a few times early in the season. I was like, okay, maybe they're turning this around. But lately they're showing that now that was just kind of an outlier. What This is who they really are. Yeah. That's what I'm afraid of. So I'm not too optimistic about this week versus the Eagles. And I'm like looking at the game against Washington. It's a toss up. It really is a toss up the second time around. And it got moved to Sunday night football. And Daniel Jones has that Kirk Cousins thing going where if he's not playing at the one o'clock time slot, don't bet on the New York Giants. So I'm, I'm definitely nervous. I, the thing that gives me kind of peace about the whole thing is that I know that the Giants are not a team that's going to do any damage if they got into the playoffs anyway. So if they make it great, if they don't, I feel like this year they've accomplished already what they wanted to accomplish, which was a culture change with the new GM, new head coach. This was kind of a turn the page to the old ways of the Giants. And this was a culture changing year. And then next year their cap space really opens up and they'll be able to bring in more of their own people. And whether or not they have Daniel Jones as their quarterback, I don't know. I don't see them being in a draft spot to really go after somebody who would be better Mm -hmm. in terms of the, the new quarterback class coming in. And I don't know if there's any veteran that's going to be out there that would be somebody to to get. Because I saw a rumor like, oh, Aaron Rodgers would come to New York. And I'm like, would I want Aaron Rodgers in New York? I don't think he'd really fit with the culture that the Dable and Joe Shane have created. Because Aaron Rodgers is such an – he has such an ego. Well, and talk about taking you know, up all your cap space to. too, right? Like all that cap exactly. space would be gone. Yeah, so I'm like, eh. do you do you think he would try to restructure his contract mm-hmm. and try to bring like almost take a Tom Brady type scenario? Or do you think he's just like he's just gonna get his money now, whatever team he lands? Uh, let's be honest, he'll probably stay with the Packers. I, Steve, I looked at that contract he signed with Green Bay, and I knew that would push Adams out the door. And I'm like, I don't think he cares about winning anymore. It's all about it's all about the money. I he might not ever leave Green Bay. I don't think he will, but so. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the way I looked at this game was I thought the Giants had a chances to win. I think Washington had chances to win, so the tie is actually fitting for how it looked. Um, just disappointing that they didn't get it done because I know that wins are going to be crucial coming down the stretch because really those there's three wildcard spots in the NFC, and Dallas has the, the first one mm-hmm. for sure. No one's catching Dallas in that first one. Maybe they'll even take it from Philadelphia, and Philadelphia will be there. But Philly or Dallas will be that first spot. What an absolute Those drubbing at the end of the fourth quarter the Cowboys gave the Colts there, huh? That was oh, wild. 19, and it was wild. in the 20s before. Like, how much time was left when it was still in the 20s for for the Cowboys? It was still a one-score game. I, I, I think at the, the, I, yeah, start of the fourth. Start of the fourth, of the fourth okay. quarter. Yeah, that's crazy. And yeah, I didn't even watch that game for the most part. I watched the movie. I was like, this game's not interesting to me. And so I, turned, <laughs> I watched the movie. I turned it off and I'm like, holy shit, they're getting killed. So I didn't even know it was that close at the start of the fourth mm-hmm. uh, until I was talking to people about it afterwards. But there's two spots that are up for grabs really between three teams, I think. Between the Giants, the Washington Commanders, and the Seahawks. And like Atlanta, Detroit, um, these teams that are on the brink of sque- maybe Arizona, they already have so many losses that if they lose one or two more, all the Giants really have to do is win two games. All Washington has to do is win two games. Same with Seattle. So really those two spots are going to be fought between those three teams, I think. And the Giants have already lost to Seattle. Mm -hmm. So the next game against Washington, they have to win. And they have to win at least one more game. If you assume they're going to lose both games to Philadelphia, they have to win either against Minnesota on Christmas Eve or against the Colts. Now, I like the idea of the Colts game because the Colts are not that good. So I'm thinking, okay, if we beat Washington, we beat the Colts, then if it comes down to week 17 and we have the same record as Washington, we'd have the tiebreaker. So 
that to me is where the, the season really is going to be made if we beat Washington in a couple of weeks. Now, if we beat Philadelphia this week, I'm going to have a whole different tone. Like, okay, the Giants are going to be set to take one of those two spots. But Seattle's schedule is actually pretty favorable for them. So I think Seattle's going to get one of those spots. And I think it's going to come down to this. That's why they moved it to Sunday night, because they know how much weight that game's going to have. Yeah. And it, it honestly, it has to feel good to at least have these scenarios in your head and have it still be, there's a pretty good chance that the Giants still make the playoffs here, right? Like, it's not like we're just talking about all oh, this crazy scenario has to happen for the Giants to make the playoffs. I think you guys have a really solid shot. I think the tie really kills. It doesn't kill, but I think the tie hurt teams like the Lions the most. Mm -hmm. Because I think you would rather have, sure, you'd be three games behind the Giants if they won, but then you would only be two games behind the Commanders. But now you're two and a half games behind both of them. So it's like, yeah, yeah, that, that makes it a lot tougher for them. Um, I think I even put that in our group chat. I mean, obviously, if you're a Giants fan or a Commanders fan, you'd want that win. But it actually helps the division as a whole to try to get all four in, in a sense. Yeah, Yeah. which is pretty crazy, man. Nobody would have guessed that coming into the season. Yeah, and as it stands right now, the Giants would be playing San Francisco in the first round. And without Jimmy G, who knows how good they're going to be. I still think San Francisco wins that game. Jimmy G's back, baby. (laughs) He's back in the playoffs. Yeah, well, they got it. That's what they're saying. Yeah, that's what they're saying. I thought he was was done for the year. They they announced today it's not as bad as they think, and he might be back at the end of the playoffs. So it probably wouldn't be that first game against the Giants, in all fairness. But they got Purdy, man. Yeah, (laughs) no, I picked him up in fantasy because I had Jimmy G, and there there aren't any other quarterbacks available. But the um, yeah, as it stands right now, Seattle would be playing Minnesota. The Giants would play San Francisco, and Dallas would play Tampa Bay. Now I gotta tell you, I love that idea because everybody every year Dallas around this time of year, their fans are like, oh, we're, we're back. How about them Cowboys? And if they play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and losing that first round, oh, my God, I will be so thrilled. So thrilled. I guess yeah. just, just to stick with the conversation, we'll bring this up. Because uh, I know that this was kind of a, a later topic that we were going to have for the show, but we're kind of diving deep into the current playoff picture. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Jags game, I guess, and then we'll, we'll talk about the Bills game a little bit, too, and, and then we'll go into our other topics around the NFL because there's a ton of them. But uh, – We'll just look at this here. We we know Money Mike is a big fan of the NFL playoff machine. When it comes out, it feels like Christmas Day to him. He's able to kind of play around with the different scenarios, who makes it if this happens, and who makes it if this happens. It's it's a little it's a fun little game that you're able to play just to see what all the different scenarios are. Well, as we're looking here, you can see here that the Buffalo Bills were able to get themselves the first seed in the AFC after the, the end of this past week, with the Kansas City Chiefs falling to the Cincinnati Bengals for the third time in a row which is pretty crazy to think for a team like Kansas City. Having another team have their number like that is very interesting. Uh, Miami falling to the 49ers as well. That was huge for the Buffalo Bills because if the if Miami won that game, they would have had the tiebreaker at this point, and they would have had the first, first seed at this point as well. And then everything else is kind of shaking out to how you think it would. The uh, uh, Baltimore Ravens, they were able to compile some wins earlier on in the season, even after that loss to the Jags. Um, they're about to drop though. They're about to drop with the yeah. PCL injury to Lamar Jackson. Exactly. Yep. So they're big injury to Lamar Jackson, but right now they're still sitting there with that third seed. They had a win over Cincinnati earlier in the season, which gives them the, uh, the edge over Cincinnati. Uh, if the playoffs were to start today, the Tennessee Titans would face the Cincinnati Bengals in a rematch, uh, in the playoffs. Um, a lot of people would probably think that it would go the same <laughs> at this point with how Tennessee just got absolutely destroyed last week by the Philadelphia Eagles. We can talk about that in a second. 
But I guess uh, we'll start with you, Steve. What are your thoughts on the AFC side here uh, and how everything is shaking out so far? Do you think it's going to kind of look like this by the end of the season, or do you think there's going to be a lot of shakeup? Um, I could see it being similar to this. I do think, as you already brought up, the injury to Lamar could shake things up pretty big, with especially how good the Bengals have been looking lately. They look like they're on a tear to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, I think that should be everyone's kind of dark horse right now in the AFC, if if I'm being honest, they seem to obviously, as you already said, have the Chiefs number and then kind of seems like they have Buffalo's number as well, too. But um, they got to try to hope to at least get that third seed, I would say, to move up, maybe even third or second if the Chiefs drop a little bit, too. Um, I think Miami and the Bills are a solid lock. I, I know how good the Jets' D is. I could see that being displaced i could see them not making the playoffs um or even the patriots out of the afc east in that scenario i know i jokingly said in the group chat the raiders are not out of the afc wildcard picture and they're looking a lot better uh obviously the chargers that they just beat are kind of in that same role too but i could see someone sliding in there besides the jets I do think even with Lamar's injury, the Ravens would at least make the wild card if Cincinnati does pass them. So I think for the most part, we have our AFC teams. If I had to put money on it, except for the Jets. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, we currently have yeah. the teams in place. I think you're right. It's either, it, like that fight for that last wild card spot could be a little interesting. Like you yeah. said, with the Jets, the Chargers, and the Raiders. And man, if the Jags were able to win last week, they would be in this conversation too. But unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately they aren't. Um, Mike, what do you think about how the AFC is shaking up? I'm real excited for that January 2nd matchup between the Bills and the, the Bengals. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah, I mean, if you use the word should, the Bills should win four of their last five games. They have three division games. They have the Chicago Bears, who are terrible. And then they've got that one game at Cincinnati. That really will determine, you know, because they have to win those. And I'm looking at Kansas City's schedule. They played Denver um, this week, and then they have – Houston, so they should win both of those games. Um, and then Kansas City has Seattle. That'll be tough, but that's at, at Kansas City. They have Denver again, and then they have the Raiders. So really, both Buffalo and Kansas City, if they play up to their potential against these teams that we've seen, they both should only lose one more game. So theoretically, that means the Bills will have the number one seed still, and that means that that rematch that everyone's anticipating between Kansas City and Buffalo is going to be in Buffalo. And that really puts the favor in, like that puts it in Buffalo's hands completely because it's one thing to win at Arrowhead once in a regular season, but doing it twice and doing it in the playoffs is really tough because they proved that last year. They beat them up in the regular season game and prime time at Kansas city. But then when it went to Kansas city in the playoff game, Kansas city won. Sure. I think if the scenario is in Buffalo, I would favor the bills. And I think a lot of people in Vegas would favor the bills. And no one thinks that anybody's going to go into Buffalo against Bills Mafia and beat the Bills in the playoffs. Like, everyone's pretty confident that's going to be the case. That's why everyone was so heartbroken when they lost it with the 13 seconds because they were like, oh, my God, the AFC Championship is going to be in Buffalo. But you're right. I'm really curious to see how they match up against Cincinnati because Cincinnati doesn't – I mean, did they play Buffalo last year? I don't no, think I don't they, believe so, no. Yeah, so Cincinnati – that game's going to be at Cincy, so that's going to be a tough one for the Bills to win. Um, I so don't if, think this Cincinnati if, team has played this Buffalo team yet. And I think no, that's I don't know. So ex- I think that's why that's I'm so it. excited about this matchup between these two. Hundred yeah. percent. And with Baltimore faltering, I think that clears the path for Cincinnati to win the AFC North. Now, 
Cincinnati may have Kansas City's number, but you know who has Cincinnati's number is Cleveland. And right. Cleveland's actually mathematically not out of it either. Like They could squeak in to get that last playoff spot if they were to say win out. Now, that's going to be tough, especially with how Watson looked. But Cincinnati, you know, you yeah, could – uh, mas- Needs a few more massages or something to loosen up those muscles. That's worked, true. Worked, worked good for him the first time. That's true. But, yeah, I, I really like the way the AFC is shaping out. I think that it's exciting for – as much as I shit on the Bills, it's exciting for Bills fans to be able to have – not just one, but multiple playoff games. And I mean, an AFC championship in the city of Buffalo hasn't happened since what, the 1990s. Mm-hmm. So it's exciting. It's exciting for football. It really is. And uh, I've I got to say, if we're talking about a rivalry between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, two great quarterbacks right now, the rivalry can't be, you know, only play games played at Arrowhead Stadium. They have to see what the, the, the next chapter in this rivalry has to be. Well, how is it in Buffalo? Right. Like, what are the results there? You know, so it it just it, it, I think it's more interesting if the game is in Buffalo. No, absolutely, is... and, and that is something that really drives into this conversation. I, I, I real quickly want to bring up this question that was actually posed in the chat from our friend Dave Correo here, David. Um, he says, "Is there any particular reason why a home game gives such an advantage? Does it really come down to how the crowd is?" Uh, Money Mike, oh. here, why, why don't you give him some insight into that? Hundred percent, because one thing in football is communication at the line of scrimmage. When you're the home team, the crowd quiets down, so it's easier for you to communicate. When you're on the road and your offense is out there, the crowd's screaming. They're they're you know trying to cause as much conflict as possible. They're saying some really rude and nasty things if you're in places like Buffalo <laughs> to the opposing team. So yeah, the home field home court advantage is such a thing because one, it's also like you know, before the game, there's a comfort of being at home and then driving to the stadium as opposed to being on a bus or being in a hotel. Um, there's that, like, just that level of comfort, the familiar locker room. Uh, you're used to the weather in football. Like it matters. Cause like you're, if you're a cold weather team, you're used to playing in the cold. Whereas if you're a team like Miami playing in Miami versus playing in Buffalo, it's a huge difference. Um, and so it's not like, yeah, at the same time, it's like in basketball, the court's painted a different color. It's all inside, but there's still the crowd difference. There's the spots in the court that you're more comfortable with, that you're familiar with in football. It's, you know, I, it's just the surroundings, just there's a comfort there that isn't there when you're on the road. Um, and also when you have people backing you, it just amps you up that much more. It gets the adrenaline pumping that much more. Right. So it's, it, it, it's completely a different feel. Yeah, no, I would 100% agree. And Steve, you've been to a bunch of Bills games. Would you say that there's a big home field advantage when it comes to Bills Mafia? Obviously, you just watched your team win there, but do you think it does make a difference? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think it does in any uh, professional, uh, well, not just professional sport. I think it does for any sport with home field advantage. It's definitely a thing in almost all sports. Like Mike said, even just a psychological benefit of one being at home wake up in your own bed has to be an amazing feeling as a professional athlete than being on the road, mm-hmm. especially for like sports like baseball and basketball and all the different games. But two, then just having people cheer for you psychologically is a lot better than being say on like a free throw, free throw line and, and people yelling. you. <laughs> I mean, it, it just seems kind of just sports psychologist wise, like would give you a slight mental advantage as well as like Mike said, besides even just the communication factor and, Trying to, how many times have we seen people 
not get a playoff delay of game, false start on offense, and anytime somebody has a home field advantage. So, you yeah, I mean, losing teams quarterback going like this, trying to hear. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. If you and, remember that the run the Seahawks had in the early, like, you know, 2012, mm-hmm. 2013, 2014, everybody knew if it was prime time in Seattle, the other team was not winning. And there were years where Seattle went undefeated at home or they maybe lost one game. So it, it completely matters. Yeah, 100%. So the Buffalo Bills getting that first seed. Hopefully it comes out by the end of the season. They win the games they're supposed to win and they're able to get that number one seed. We will see if that happens. Real quickly over to the NFC side. We kind of talked about this a little bit already. The Philadelphia Eagles are looking like they're going to lock in that number one seed, uh, barring any crazy occurrences to to round out the at the end of this season if they drop a couple games that they're probably not supposed to um and then everything else is uh kind of an interesting watch minnesota should keep that second seat as well especially because of the fact that dallas is only can only get a wild card at this point they're probably not going to win the division so they could have the same record as minnesota by the end of the season but they're not going to get that number two seed because they're a wild card team. So, so I think that's going to be huge for you guys. Guarantees you uh, at least two home playoff games, which which would be huge. Um, so uh, the rest of it is what we've been talking about. It, there, there's basically four teams in the hunt for the wild card. Uh, the three teams you see here in Dallas, New York, and Seattle, and then the fourth team being the Washington Commanders. Um, so a lot of a lot of intrigue here, Steve. What are your thoughts on the NFC South, though? That's probably the most exciting, most heated, and most anticipated division in the NFL, right? It is if you're fans of those four teams. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is up for grabs for all of them. I do think the Bucks are going to, in the next couple weeks, kind of stake their claim for that title. <laughs> and honestly, like Mike said, I mean, there's glimpses. There's honestly glimpses of what that offense and team should be. And obviously we saw it, if we'll touch upon the Saints game after this, but the Bucks were completely out of that game. I think I saw a stat that Tom Brady being down by 13 points in the last five minutes of the game, he was 1-49 in in his career. And the the one was against Atlanta <laughs> in the Super Bowl, so which is like an outlier. Right. But it's just like you kind of see what this offense could be. And obviously the defense has been holding up pretty much all year. This have they, I think they've had one or two games where they gave up quite a bit of points. But I mean, I I think the Bucks are going to take that division, even though I think the other teams might keep it pretty tight. Especially Atlanta, I, I do think Atlanta still plays a lot of people tight. I think the Saints kind of are going to be out of it pretty soon here in the Panthers with Walker and playing better. Um, well, they're rolling with I, Darnold, aren't they? Is is it Darnold now after oh, a week? I, I mean, I guess I'm not sure. But I, I think I think you to. are right. Pretty well. Ian, is Ian in the chat? Ian, who's starting for the Panthers? <laughs> Ian is not in the chat. Of I, I have no idea. So. Yeah, I think like it has it to be really Darnold is. after he played so well against that Broncos okay. defense, right? I mean, they, they have to. Well, that's fair. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah. I do think it's the Bucks to lose, honestly. Um, obviously, they have the lead right now. But I think, going based on what we have there on the screen, I think this is what you're probably going to see, too. Again, the only difference we might see, like Mike was saying, is possibly, I think, switch Commanders and Giants. I think those are going to be the two replaced. I do think the Seahawks will secure that other wild card with Dallas or the Eagles. Depends on which one takes that division. But I do think we're pretty set for playoff pitcher, whether it's the AFC or NFC, just besides one or two teams switching in and out, in my opinion. 
Would you agree, Buddy Mike? Yeah, I mean, there's still an opportunity because, again, Purdy played well against the Dolphins, but how is he going to play the rest of the regular season? The Seahawks could win the West, mm-hmm. and that would True. mean the 49ers were playing for wild card spot. Now, the 49ers roster is so good at, you know, that I think they'll get one of the spots if they don't win the division. Um, so the, the Seahawks, 49ers are kind of interchangeable, but I think they'll both be in the picture. Vikings obviously have their division locked up. They're in the playoff picture. Both the Eagles and Cowboys will be there. So, I mean, and Tampa Bay right now, they have six losses. Atlanta has eight. And so Tampa, their, their toughest games they have left are their next two games. They play San Francisco in San Francisco. Then they play the Cincinnati Bengals. And then their final three games are Cardinals, Panthers, Falcons. Now, the Panthers did beat Tampa Bay, in all fairness, 21-3 to in Carolina. So it's not like it's going to be a wash-up game. But if Tampa plays up to their potential, they should go 3-2 and two these next five games. And that would secure the division. So Tampa most likely is going to be there too. So I agree with Steve. The interchangeable option is, is it going to be the Giants or is it going to be Washington? Right. You know, and right now, if you look at the Giants and Washington, they're both kind of in a similar place. It's just reversed. The Giants in their first seven games went six and one and Washington in their last seven games went six and one going into their game against each other this week where they tied. So they're in similar places record wise. There's on opposite ends right now. The momentum is clearly with Washington. Uh, we're, and that's unfortunate for me as a Giants fan, but uh, it's just the reality of the situation. But yeah, Philadelphia could still lose the division to Dallas. They play on Christmas Eve. If Dallas is it's able possible. to win out and they win that game, Dallas would be the number one seed. And I honestly, I think Dallas is the better team. I think Dallas is better than Philadelphia, and I think Dallas will win that game on Christmas Eve. I just don't know if they'll have the record better than Philadelphia to take the number one seed from Philadelphia. So. Philadelphia's defense has kind of fallen off, I think, from yeah. what they looked like towards the beginning of the season. That's because of some key injuries, and I think it's just just how, how things have turned out as the season has progressed. Uh, before we move on from, the, from this, Money Mike, I have one more question for you. Jalen Hurts, legitimate MVP candidate? He's playing phenomenal, and he's playing really well. So, yeah, he should be considered for the MVP. There you go. Absolutely. And, and look, we know that the MVP award – is a narrative award a lot of times. And sometimes just because you're the best player doesn't mean you're going to get the MVP because your team does really poorly. Like Shaq will bring it up all the time. Is Steve Nash a better player than Shaquille O'Neal? Was he a better player than him in 2006? No, absolutely not. But Phoenix had a much better record than Miami. So, so Steve Nash got the nod and that's just the way it goes. Unfortunately, a lot of times the, the award goes to the team that has the best record. Like, Early on in the season, I would have thought Josh Allen would be one of the prime candidates for MVP, but because of some bad games he's had and some losses they've taken, I don't even think he's being considered as MVP anymore. Yeah, he's going to be definitely lower on the totem pole for sure. Steve, would you agree? Dalen Hurts, pretty solid MVP candidate at this point? Yeah, 100%. And don't sleep on my boy Joey B. I've been a Joe Burrow fan for a long time, but his name slowly started creeping up there with the Mahomes and stuff lately. Yeah. So with the Again, like Mike said, when the Bengals really started getting – getting hot obviously a lot of that is on joe burrow's shoulders along with the offense but i i know they don't give this to wide receivers that much but jefferson deserves an mvp vote too yeah i was gonna bring that up but obviously that's pretty biased (laughs) he deserves an mvp vote i mean if we're gonna be looking at teams with the best records who are the reasons why they're winning? I mean, Jefferson's had some phenomenal games this year. Mm-hmm. It's the so he same definitely as deserved. the Cooper Cup conversation as last year, too. It's the same yeah. exact thing. You got you to gotta at least include him. And for Dallas, Mike Micah Parsons mm-hmm. would be an MVP candidate because he's one of the reasons why Dallas has done so well. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah. Well, I've always – yeah, go ahead. 
No, no, go you ahead. can move on to the next. I was just gonna say I'm always kind of jaded from that too because we do know it's usually a quarterback type, yeah, award. Kind of like how the Heisman has turned into for sure. Obviously, there's some outliers there, but I'm always kind of jaded because when Adrian Peterson had his one really, really amazing year in '08, where they gave him comeback player of the year, is kind of like a consolation prize, but he probably should have won MVP. Did they give year. it to Peyton Manning? <laughs> I'm pretty certain it was Peyton Manning. <laughs> yeah, but I think it was. I think it was. I was going to say it. I don't know for sure. I could obviously look it up real quick. But Could have been Eli so, Manning. Yeah. <laughs> it's so tough because the league is just a quarterback-driven league. Yeah. Right? And, and obviously the quarterback position is the most important position on the field. Mm-hmm. But there are those outliers, those skill position players that just make all the difference, man. And I think Justin Jefferson is one of them. Uh, but we'll move on to the next game real quickly that we're going to talk about. And that is the Buffalo Bills giving the New England Patriots an absolute drubbing this past Thursday night. Uh, in... Gillette Stadium in New England. Uh, I believe the uh, the final score was what was it twenty four to seven. I actually can't remember exactly what the score was. But it was something along those lines, and uh, pretty boring game. The Bills they brought a different strategy into this game. They kind of milked the clock. They were running the ball really well. Uh, they were getting all of their running backs involved. Stephon Diggs had, I mean, it, from his standards, I guess it was a less effective game, but he still had over ninety yards, bunch of catches, and a touchdown. So. The Bills were able to do what they needed to do to beat a team like the Patriots, who I said last week is literally the most boring team in the NFL. I will die on that hill. Uh, Mac Jones, pissed off, very pissed off at Matt Patricia and his play calling, saying that their play calling was far too conservative, a lot of short passes, just not enough going down the field. And uh, the Patriots seem to be in shambles. Uh, Not something that you're used to seeing with a Bill Belichick-led team, right, Steve? Yeah, I mean, obviously we've seen... What Bill Belichick does as a coach throughout his whole career, I I I don't know if I would say shambles yet. I think that's kind of a strong word. Yeah, that's I, true. I mean, I'm we're... kind of just wishing that they. Go <laughs> I was gonna say we were talking about them being in the AFC wild card position just like before the Vikings came on Thanksgiving, and <laughs> they played the Vikings very well and easily could have won that game. Yeah. and that's a completely different narrative. Even if they still get blown out by the Bills, but I I do think, like you said, is true though. I I think the offense kind of needs a revamp. We've all known kind of what it's been like the post-Brady era, and, and kind of what it was during the Brady era when he didn't have, like, Randy Moss to throw to. It's obviously a run-first offense now. I mean, you're you're going to have your interchangeable Patriots running backs. You're not going to know who to pick up for fantasy that, that year out of their one out of four guys, and they're going to run the ball. And that's going to hurt a lot of teams that can't stop the run. And then somebody like the Bills that have a pretty great defense, run defense isn't amazing amazing but still really great defense at least top three overall in the nfl and um the thing that i liked about this game that you already brought up that some bills fans might not find as entertaining is i like that they actually started running the ball because we brought it up many times that's kind of been one of their big missing ingredients besides some key injuries which a lot of teams always get as well too but getting the run game patriots defense too yeah for sure and I just think that's going to be important, getting Singletary. Even Cook seems to be getting involved a lot more, which is awesome to see as a young player. Um, I think them getting the run game going for this playoff run is probably the key to them actually succeeding. Obviously, Josh is going to have to make those hero plays every once in a while in some games. But if you can get some short yardage on some some drives and not put Josh Allen, say, like a third and 10 or even third and longer than that to try to make a hero play every single drive. Um, I think that'll be Buffalo's key to success. So it was nice to see. Maybe not the most entertaining, like you said, but 
Yeah. And, and I think I, it'll be important later on. And I think kind of just to build off of this, the fact that the game wasn't all that entertaining. What do you, Mike, what, what are your thoughts on the Thursday night football broadcast? I know a lot of people are saying that Kirk Herbstreit and Al Michaels, they're just not a good duo because both of them are kind of low energy. You know, it kind of feels like they're lulling us to sleep when we watch the game. Do you, do you kind of agree with that statement? I mean, I think Al Michaels is a um, well-respected and, a, you know, he's right. a classic voice in terms of football commentation. But, I mean, when I hear Kirk Herbstreit, I just think college he- football. And I'm like, you're not an NFL guy. Like, what do you? <laughs> but I, I also think that Thursday night football just doesn't really work that well. I, I mean, because teams just are so tired from playing on Sunday, they're not fully recovered that we get weak games on Thursday night. Like every Thursday night, it seems to be like a either it's a blowout or teams just don't look good on either side of the ball. And I'm just like, I, I get the NFL wants to, you know, have a Thursday night because you know, Friday nights are high school football and Saturdays are college football. So Thursday, it was the closest to Sunday, but wasn't Sunday that they could get for viewership. But I just don't think Thursday night football really works that well. It it may be every once in a while, but having one every single week, I remember back in the day, they only had like one or two throughout the whole year on Thursday night. Yeah. It wasn't like a thing that they had every week. It was only like once or twice a year. Same with Saturday at the end of the season, they would always have like a couple Saturday games. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't think it's that great for the sport. I don't think it's good for the players um, because we saw a very superior New England Patriots team lose to the Buffalo Bills. You know, it's just, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask, what were your thoughts on the game now that we've talked about Thursday Night Football? Well, I I had a feeling, I thought the Patriots, you know, they played a really close game against Minnesota on Thanksgiving. I thought, you know, the Bills have kind of stumbled a little bit. They've they've played down to their competition. I thought if you do that against Bill Belichick in Bill Belichick's house, that's going to bite you in the ass. So in the first quarter, when the Patriots were up seven to three, I was like, "Ah, see, I had this game read correctly." I, everyone thinks I'm so dumb, you know. And <laughs> but I, as I told you, it was a real troll pick on this podcast to pick the Patriots because I did in my work pool where we we put ten dollars in the pot to try to win picks each week. I put the Bills in that where I put actual money on the line, so I knew the Bills would probably win. But I was just like, you know, small glimmer of hope that I thought the Patriots could pull it out. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's totally fair. It makes it a lot more interesting, a lot more fun. We can't all be picking the same in every single game. Uh, go ahead, Steve. All right. So going back real quick, this will get into a huge rant. Al Michaels is 78 years old. <laughs> like, I'm not saying he's the – because I love Al Michaels. Al Michaels is a classic. I mean, but think about it. He's the person that called the Miracle on Ice play that everyone knows, the commentator. And that's how long he's been doing this for. <laughs> You can't tell me you can't bring in somebody a little bit younger. I know Kurt is, but again, you think of him for college football with a little more pizzazz um, to kind of go with him yeah. <laughs> as a young guy. And you can't expect a 78-year-old man to kind of bring the, the fire. I mean, yeah. he's just probably still happy to be here. So and, you know who would be great? Drew Brees. Drew Brees would be great. He was good at calling Notre Dame games last year. Mm-hmm. I think him and Al Michaels would work really well. That's actually a really good shout. And I will give Thursday Night Football, for a lot of shit they get for streaming and stuff, their pregame table I love, actually. Yes. They they did a hell of a job with getting a lot of those former players up there. It, it's just, like, memeable things, and they, they have a lot of fun talking about the games. That's kind of what it should be, in my opinion, so... I agree, though. The commentary during the game could be a little bit better. but The the combo of Fitzpatrick and Sherman, I think, is pretty mm-hmm. good. I, I really yeah. like having those two at the desk. They, they don't hold back, and they, they say what they think. Um, but 
David in the chat here says, Money Mike for Thursday night broadcast. Yeah, let's get Kirk Herbstreet out there. We'll get Money Mike out there working with Al Michaels. How's that sound, buddy? I would love that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Travel to a different state football stadium and co- commentate and give my Money Mike takes out there live on, t- on streaming TV. That'd be great. Hell yeah. Yeah, on the Thursday night football broadcast later in the season when the Jaguars are playing the Jets, Mike's going to be watching the game and be like, who the hell are these guys? Get them out of here. Where's Tom? <laughs> Tom, <laughs> bring Tom out here. <laughs> but I guess we'll use that as the perfect segue to very quickly talk about the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars are absolute doo doo. Uh, they just lost to the Detroit Lions this past Sunday, 40, 40 to fourteen, four zero. This Jaguars defense gave up thirty points in two and a half quarters to the Detroit Lions led by Jared Goff. Listen, I understand that the Lions offense is getting much better and that everybody has respect for the Dan Campbell-led Lions these days. But you do not give up 30 points to the fucking Lions in two and a half quarters. Trevor Lawrence was playing his ass off in this game. We had six drops by our receivers. The man got no help. And freaking Cam Robinson, our $18 million paid left tackle, Basically left Aiden Hutchinson, or no, it wasn't Aiden Hutchinson, someone on the Detroit's defensive line unblocked and almost got this dude's knee torn. All right, now it's looking good. It looks like Trevor Lawrence is going to be fine. But my God, the absolute agony that this game put me in as I watched it this past Sunday is something that I just hope to never experience again. So that is how I'm going to end my rant and say that the Jaguars are basically out of playoff contention. And we're going to move on to talk about teams that are relevant. I'm not going to let you two weigh in on this because I know you didn't care about this game. You didn't watch this game. So we're just going to move on. So I did watch the highlights. <laughs> and I won't won't throw Drew's drags under the bus anymore. But I will say, if the Lions team would have started off like this, we all know they were scoring, a lot more teams would be scared of them. We said respect, but honestly, I think that in a few years, this Lions team could actually be really good. Is what I took away from the game. Yeah. Amon Ross St. Brown, <laughs> if he continues to play like he is, he is going to easily be a top five receiver in this league, if not. For better. sure. That that dude looks so good. So, I have no thoughts on the Jags. Uh, <laughs> That's what I said, too. <laughs> I have no thoughts on the Jags. I have thoughts only about the Lions. And that is, the Lions, can, if they can get through these next two games, if they can squeak out both these wins, they end their season against... Uh, the Panthers, the Bears, and the slacking Packers. So, and and if they were to win out, they'd finish ten and seven. That might actually put them in that spot over, you know, the Giants or Washington. Could be. Uh, they play Minnesota, but they play Minnesota tight the first yeah. time around. This second For game's sure. in Detroit, and we're gonna talk about Minnesota versus Detroit later on in the show. But this Lions team, Drew, they scored against everybody. It's not just your team. I mean, they put up thirty-five points against Philadelphia. They put it forty-five against. Seattle, they put 31 against the Giants. They put 24 against the Vikings. Uh, 31 against the Bears. They, they've been scoring against every team they've played. Got Even it. the Bills. They score, The Bills have one of the best defenses we in the league. They put 24 points up. Punt. The Lions punter didn't have to shower after the game. Okay? But it's like, it's, it's, it's like uh, I'm, I'm sure it was kind of hot and just standing there. Maybe the stadium was a little warm. But, uh. it, you know, the thing is, is that you look at the Lions and you just in your in your head, your psychology just tells you bad football team, bad franchise. So even when they're playing better, 
when you lose to them, it's that much more frustrating. It's like, come on, I was really looking forward to this game on the schedule because I thought we could win. I felt the same way with the Giants, even though I've been uh, I've been saying time and time again, respect the Lions. I thought to myself, we lost to the fucking Lions. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, and that's probably what your what's, expectations, right? What's yeah. also causing your reaction is that you're looking at the Detroit Lions. You're like, they're a bad franchise, just like us. I, you're the one who asked. Listen, you're the one who asked me a few years ago. Would you rather be a Lions fan or a Jags fan? And I didn't know the answer. <laughs> I am not looking at this with any sort of superiority complex at all. The Jaguars are a trash organization. They have been ever since I've been a diehard fan of them. But listen. When you come off of uh, what I was saying, a franchise-changing win against the Ravens last week, <laughs> you can't just turn around and lose and give up 40 points to the Lions, bro. Like, you made me look like an absolute idiot on this podcast. Coming into this game in my head, I was like, oh, my God, this is it. We're turning this franchise around, baby. We're going to make a playoff run. We're going to beat the Titans twice this season, and we're going to make a run. And then here we are. I'm yelling about it on my own podcast now. Okay. Don't you yeah, feel I, good for Jared Goff? <laughs> yeah, fantastic, fantastic for Jared Goff. Good for him. Yeah, I have uh, one of my managers at work is uh, still alive in his survivor pool, and I'm like, who do you have left? And he was like, Tennessee, Seattle. I'm like, wait, isn't Tennessee playing Jacksonville? Yeah, pick Tennessee. It's a safe bet against Jacksonville. Tennessee always beats the Jacks. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. We're moving. On. I do like how we prolonged your segment, though. Yeah. I was like, we're, we're moving so, through this quickly, and, and no, we, we did not, because you got me going. But all right. Damn Detroit Lions, man. I know. I guess so. All right. Well, I actually, because the Jags pissed me off so much on Sunday, I actually didn't watch any football after the, the 1 o'clock games. And it was unfortunate, because I know there were two fantastic games between the Miami Dolphins and the 49ers and the Bengals and the Chiefs, so... Steve, I'll let you lead the discussion here with the 49ers and Dolphins game. Uh, kind of walk us through what happened, how bad the injury looked for Jimmy G, and how good uh, the fill-in looked for the 49ers. Yeah, Purdy. Honestly, I, I saw highlights of this game. I was watching the Chiefs-Bengals game. But um, Jimmy G's injury did look bad. We did get good news that we kind of discussed that he could be back potentially for a late playoff run if they get in, which is obviously good for the 49ers fans. But... Um, we'll talk about it later. I'm surprised they didn't go for Baker, even though, again, I wouldn't have they probably... They were second on the waiver wire. LA had them, LA had the position. Oh, really? Yeah. Did they? Okay, yes. I actually did not know that. Um, well, I'm surprised LA picked him up, if I'm being honest, uh, because their season's done. So why, I, I mean, I guess you could try to get a few more wins in in the season, but statistically, I feel like they're almost eliminated. I know only... Technically, the Texans, I believe, have been eliminated in Chicago. But, um, yeah, I, I, both games were awesome. The highlights were cool. Jimmy G's injury did not look good. So it's good that he got better news than expected today, it seems like. But that Chiefs-Bengals game was honestly the game to watch, in my opinion. Um, and it came down the wire, and we already discussed it. But Joe, Joey B, I, I love that man. I have him in two leagues, and he's in my franchise league. And I will keep that man for hopefully a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady level career, as long as he wants to play for the Bengals. But he has their number, and I've been saying it since the start of the year. Uh, this NC team, like, there's something about them. They got hot last year, and they obviously had that, like, stretch at the start of the year that was a little down. But I'm telling you, they're, I think they're the dark horse in the AFC. Everyone always still talks about the Chiefs and Bills, but 
like you said, that game against the Chiefs and uh, uh, the Bengals and the Bills will be extremely interesting to see how that turns out. But yeah. that was the game to watch for me. Yeah, no, fair enough. And the Bengals, they're a team that can put up points quickly, and they have a sneaky good defense. And that, that is the ultimate recipe for today's NFL. Uh, Money Mike, what, did you catch any of this 49ers game, or were, were you in the same boat as Steve? Bits, bits and pieces of, I was going back and forth between these two games, but also the Celtics were playing the Nets <laughs> at 6 o'clock <laughs> on Sunday. So I was prioritizing that game over everything else. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I've been high on 49ers for weeks now. I said on this podcast a few weeks ago that the 49ers, would, if they stayed healthy, would represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And I think they still have the roster to do it. Uh, Brock Purdy is the first quarterback in the history of the National Football League to be the last pick in the draft and throw a touchdown pass. So I think with the pieces around him, he can look better than what he actually is. I mean, he's got all the weapons around him. They've got a great defense. He's got good coaching. So I still think the 49ers can be really good. And I think they'd be a team that you wouldn't want to face in the playoffs. Um, I think that this was a huge game for the Buffalo Bills because Miami getting beaten down by a team like San Francisco uh, shows that the Dolphins against really good competition might not be as good as they their record says they are, and also position the Bills to win the division over Miami. Um, obviously, they still have their rematch, but Miami did not look good against the San Francisco defense, and we talked about how Cincinnati has um, Kansas City's number, um, whether they're playing in Kansas City or in Cincinnati. So, yeah, I, I agree with Steve. It's kind of hard to call them a dark horse because they did go to the Super Bowl last year as the dark horse. So, like, the, like they're more – a dark horse is always someone you don't expect. Like, people will kind of expect it from the Bengals. Now. Like, I don't think people will be surprised if they win the AFC again. Um, I, I So, I, I agree, but I think at the start of the season, obviously it's like a sports center hot take, whatever you want to call it from the media. People were counting them out, like, after sure. the third week. I mean – so I, I guess you are right. I guess dark horse is probably not the the best words to describe it, but I do think people slept on them mm-hmm. at the start of the season, at least. But to, to me, like I, just when I think dark horse, I think of like like if someone were to say the Dolphins or the Jets were going to win the AFC, mm-hmm. they're the dark horse to win. Like I don't That's expect fair. them to win the AFC. Whereas the, the the Bengals aren't going to be the like they're probably ranked third in people's minds between the Bills and the Chiefs to win the AFC, but it wouldn't be as surprising because we saw them do it last year. Like it wouldn't be as much of a shock. And what happened That's was just the where Ravens. I and what happens was the Ravens started out hot, and the Bengals started out cold, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it was just kind of a knee-jerk overreaction from the NFL media, which happens every single year. And here we are. Uh, well, remember, the NFL is a soap opera, <laughs> and it's a there's a story behind everything. It's a, it's a television show. It really is. I mean, it, it is. Right. Exactly. And shout out to Shirai Ryu TV with the raid of twenty. Thank you so much, Ian. Thank God you're here. We have a very pressing question for you that we Sorry need for the an Panthers. answer. <laughs> we need an answer. Who is going to be the Panthers' starting quarterback going forward? Please tell us in the chat as we move on to the next topic here. We just talked about the 49ers and Dolphins and the Bengals and Chiefs. I didn't have a slide up for them as well. Those were the two exciting afternoon games. And it looks like Ian confirmed Sam Darnold is our Panthers quarterback going forward. Let's go, baby. Panthers are winning the NFC South. Fuck Tom Brady. Fuck the Bucks. I was actually kind of pissed to see that the Bucks won last night because they definitely shouldn't have. Um, but we'll, uh, you, you can't stand Tom. Just admit it. You can't stand Tom. Can't you don't have the love for him that I do. Can't stand Tom. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about this uh, topic a little quick, uh, a little bit. Uh, obviously, we kind of alluded to this before. The L.A. Rams signed Baker Mayfield after getting cut from the Panthers. Um, so what are your thoughts on this, boys? Is this 
earth-shattering stuff? Like, like, is this huge news? Uh, Steve, you can start. He, he, he won't have to travel far to do his progressive commercials anymore. He'll be right there in Los Angeles. <laughs> but... Less less of a commute. There you go, Steve. I, 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 I like this this signing because it kept him away from going to the 49ers. <laughs> yeah. I true. thought him to the 49ers would have been a really – because I bet I, – if I'm Christian McCaffrey, I would have stormed up to Jim Lynch's <laughs> office and been like, yo, don't do it. <laughs> That's fair. Steve, would you kind of agree I with that sentiment? I legitimately have the same exact – thoughts as Mike. Um, as soon as I saw it and everyone was speculating the 49ers and it was my first thought too because you just see Jimmy G go down and then Baker gets waived the next day. You're like, well, <laughs> I guess Baker Mayfield's going to get an easy run to the play, Not easy run to the playoffs, but be inserted already into a playoff picture. And like, I don't give a fuck about Baker Mayfield. <laughs> like, I don't know. Right. Go be with the Rams for a season then get away from that team because Matt Stafford's going to come back and hopefully have a few more good seasons as long as he gets some of these nagging injuries out of the way. So great. You got a million dollars picked up off LA's dime. So great. (laughs) At least he's not with the 49ers. Go Purdy. Purdy's leading these 49ers (laughs) in the playoffs. Yeah, I'll be hyped if Purdy ends up playing really well because that is going to be one hell of a story. But it has to be frustrating. Who won't be rooting for that? Like, who won't be? Exactly. You can't root against a guy like that. But this has to be frustrating for guys who are kind of fighting and clawing to hopefully get an opportunity to start at quarterback in the NFL. And you you see a guy like Baker Mayfield being given opportunity after opportunity at this point, right? Like, hopefully after this season, it kind of falls off. He kind of becomes a perennial backup, and maybe he works himself towards a starting option at this uh, at some point but it's just like man if, if you're sitting there on your couch being like i'm fucking better than this guy and he's getting another chance to start for another nfl team in la that's be crazy Go ahead, I, could, I don't think i'm better than maker mayfield <laughs> but i don't think he's very good <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh that's a totally fair assumption um it looks like we'll see in the rocks xfl someday baker mayfield <laughs> there you go he's gonna be the next pj walker in the xfl um <laughs> Uh, Ian makes a prediction saying that no way in hell is he going to continue doing those progressive commercials. They can do better than a backup quarterback. That is probably true. That is probably yeah. true. So we'll, we'll see who takes that seat from him. Uh, very quickly, we'll uh, talk a little bit more about the Raiders. We, I know Steve alluded to before. They are now 5-7, and seven, and they can make a run if they run the table here to eventually or essentially make the playoffs. Uh, they dropped a few games that they definitely should have won earlier in the season that could come back to bite them uh, towards the end of the season, including uh, giving up a 17-point lead to the Jaguars, but we won't talk about that too much. But, Steve, what are your thoughts on this new-look Raiders team and the fact that Devontae Adams is still a stud? Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of even knew he was a stud when he was having somewhat transitional period, it seemed like, at the start. Um, but, yeah, I I was on the Raiders hype train kind of this year, so <laughs> I kind of hope they do well just for my predict- predictions. Uh at the end of the season but yeah i i think they should be a fun team to watch it's just like you said they had a lot of close games at the start of the season where last year reverse of the vikings they were winning those games and then this season it seems like they were losing a lot of those games up front but they have the talent that should be on paper it looks like a wild card team so we'll see if they can actually like you said kind of run the table and i think even then they still might need a few things to go right with some other games um, in order for them to make that wild card spot, but it'll be interesting. I mean, they're playing their best football when you should be playing your best football, so it'll be interesting. There you go, absolutely interesting. 
Real quickly, Dave says here in the chat, Money Mike greater than Baker Mayfield in my heart. And you know what? I'll throw Derek Carr in that as well. I think Money Mike is greater than Derek Carr. Would you agree, Mike? I'm humbled by the support. Uh, I don't I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if we're playing Madden, I kick their ass. There you All go. day. I'll be better. I, I would be better with Derek Carr than Derek Carr is with himself if we were playing Madden. <laughs> I believe Ian in the chat just had a good good point honestly if the raiders do make the playoffs jacobs and adams would be a scary kind of offensive duo to play against because they could pop off i mean josh jacobs can if he has a game that's a scary person to have lined up against in the backfield well, the afc west is the biggest letdown in the history of football i feel like i mean going into this season all over the offseason every point. big star player that we could think of was signing with a team that was in the afc west and we're like oh it won't just be Kansas City winning the division. It could be the Raiders' year. It could be the Broncos' year. It could be the Chargers. I was thinking the Chargers had a good defense. They had a young quarterback who was just continuing to ascend. And I was like, you know, this is the Chargers' year to kind of be that dark horse that could win the AFC. They could be better than the Chiefs. They could be better than the Bills. I could see Los Angeles doing it. They haven't been very good. The Raiders are starting to put some stuff together. And this guy is just cringe and awful across the board. I mean, he's pretty much played his way out of the Hall of Fame this year. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's I was, just been terrible. So uh, I was going to say, we have, a, we have a few more topics to cover here, boys. So I think we got to move a little bit quicker here. We'll, we'll talk real quickly here. I just wanted to get your thoughts. I asked Nick last week, what do the Broncos do going forward with, with Russell Wilson and this whole situation? Do they fire Nathaniel Hackett? What do you think, Mike? Uh, I think that they pray and pray and pray that Russell Wilson will figure it out because they have paid him a lot of money. Um, I don't think he will, but the thing is they owe him so much money that they've basically committed to this guy. Um, and that's, you're kind of stuck with him for the time being. I mean, who's going to buy out that contract? Sure. No, I, I can't see any nobody. Nobody's going to take that on. Yeah. I mean, you would think that if they hadn't extended him before he had played a game before the season started, um, you could theoretically think of a way where it's like, okay, Green Bay will trade for Russell Wilson and give them Aaron Rodgers. Like they're that because oh maybe Rodgers can make it work with Nathaniel Hackett because they've played together. That like, we might be a better fit. Um, but now with the amount of commitment that the Broncos organization has given to Russell Wilson, unfortunately you're kind of stuck with him. So you have to get rid of Hackett mm -hmm. to try to make a change. So. I don't think it's going to because I think Russell Wilson stinks, but <laughs> it's just, it's just funny to me that he wanted out of Seattle and Seattle kind of wanted him to go and Seattle's doing perfectly fine. It's like you're dating this really pretentious girl who thinks she could do so much better than you. And then she breaks up with you and then your life turns into glory and it's great. Like have you ever heard the song by Luke, uh, I forget his last name, uh, but it's, it's called it rains. It pours Luke where Bryan. this girl dumps him. Huh? Luke Bryan. No, not Luke Bryan. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, uh, Luke Combs. Combs. Yeah, Luke Combs. Yeah, 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 yeah Luke Combs. He, he, uh, it's a song about how like he breaks up with this girl, but his life becomes great. Yeah. That's what it it feels like for Seattle. The Russell Wilson is the girlfriend that thought she could have a better life without him, yeah. and she dumps him, and his life becomes amazing, and she's still miserable and unhappy. Always That's... love your analogies, Money Mike. Always love them. It, it, it's fitting, though, isn't it? <laughs> yes, no, it, it's, a, it's a very good analogy. I will say it does apply. Uh, but it, it is interesting. I did see Robert Griffin III 
say on the ESPN broadcast that basically whoever the coaching staff is for the Denver Broncos going into next year needs to sit down and watch every single throw that Russell Wilson made when he was with the Seahawks and figure out what the hell worked and what the hell didn't and literally just formulate this offense around him, whatever makes whatever can work with him, because obviously it seems like they're trying to force him into a system that makes him very uncomfortable. But do you think the damage is done, Steve? Yeah, I mean, we're in a group chat. I'm literally obsessed with this. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. Like, I'm not saying that, like, things can, like, happen in someone's lives that affect it. Obviously, him getting paid a lot of money could be a big aspect of it. We don't know. But this should, like, sports psychologists need to, like, study this. I've, like, in my least time watching sports and being a fan of a lot of things, I've never seen someone go from... I'm not even saying Russell was in his prime prime still in Seattle at the tail end. You could see like some shades, obviously like Mike alluded to, seems like he wanted out and the Seahawks wanted out. So maybe a lot of the play where it wasn't as spectacular near the end, not having as much talent around him. We should have seen a little bit more signs that this could happen, but this is like unfathomable. Like dude, literally, I mean, Carson Wentz has more touchdowns still than him. Hasn't played since week six. It's just like, wild the denver broncos are probably gonna have their worst season they've had and they've had six straight losing seasons and like mike said they're just in for all this guaranteed money and this dude's like a completely different person it's like he got abducted by aliens and just put down like a test dummy and they're like go play football and he's like okay <laughs> another game I, it, all they needed was 18 just, points and they would have won so so fire hackett clean house in the coaching staff like all everybody gone just just get them out. Keep as much as you can on the defense if you're a Denver Broncos fan. And like you said, you're stuck with Russell Wilson, so good luck for the next years. Unless some crazy buyout of, like, we give you all this guaranteed money and you just leave. And we just clean house fully. That won't happen. But like you said, you just have to sit down. I don't know if you send that dude out to go on a vision quest in the desert with some peyote <laughs> or something. But, like, literally something has to happen because that dude is not the same person. And have him do some ayahuasca. It, it's... it's wild like yeah. even in interviews it's just crazy <laughs> i don't think this is just me but oftentimes i find myself looking at past versions of myself and i really want to punch that guy in the face and there was a point in my life where i wanted russell wilson to be traded to the giants and i'm like thinking looking back at that version of me being like you idiot <laughs> <laughs> sit down <laughs> well it, it always helps to have hindsight my friend um okay so these are two quarterbacks that are currently playing in the NFL. They both won last week. And this is a quarterback that is not currently playing in the NFL. See how I weave those two pictures in there? Yeah, see, I'm still doing doing the bit. Um, but so some kind of big news came out today about a former NFL quarterback who retired back in 2019, Andrew Luck. Uh a guy who a lot of people said was going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, obviously his stats kind of support that. He was putting up insane stats. He was playing so well for a team that he was able to to at least get to the AFC Championship game, and he was able to make work, even though it seems like the organization was not giving him any sort of help with the offensive line and not a lot of help around him to, to help him make even more plays and bring the team to the next level. Obviously, as we know, Andrew Luck surprisingly retired in 2019, during the preseason, right before the season started, a season where a lot of Colts fans and even the Colts players themselves thought that the Colts were going to be Super Bowl contenders and be very successful. So it, it was a rough showing. Uh, it was a rough situation. Uh, not fun for anybody who has any 
thing invested with the Colts. Uh, a big, very, very long article came out. I don't know if either of you read it. It's insanely long. I, I didn't read the whole thing. Um, came out kind of just describing what his life has been since then and him coming out and telling us why he retired. Now, a lot of there was a lot of speculation over the years. Obviously, a lot of people thought, oh, well, it's the concussions. Like, he doesn't want to suffer any more huge injuries and, and ruin his, his future medically. Obviously, he had a bunch of injuries stacking up over the years. Uh, and, it, and it seems like the injuries did actually factor into the decision, but it seems like it was more just a decision of he wanted to figure out who he was outside of football because I guess it was causing a lot of personal strife between him and his wife and at all of the future plans he had for his family. So um, I, I thought it was very interesting that this article came out now. It just seemed very random. I mean, no, nobody really knew that this was coming. Um, obviously, the injuries played a part because he said that when he was going from injury to injury, it was just turning him into a, like a terrible person, basically. Like he said, he wasn't a fun person to be around. He was uh, yelling at his wife and stuff like that. So uh, I guess hearing about that, Steve, what are your thoughts on this whole story? Did you assume that it was going to be concussions, like that was the reason why he retired, or was any of this thing this interesting to you? Yeah, I mean, I didn't read the article. I saw some highlights, obviously, on ESPN when I went on there before. Um, it, it, I weirdly smiled, <laughs> as bad as it sounds, when you said that, like, Andrew Luck, like, yelling at his wife from, like, the injuries and stuff because it's hilarious to even picture that happening because yeah. on the field as a kid you always saw the highlights of him getting like completely smashed by a defender being like oh good job man so like i it just made me laugh even thinking that that could be possible but i, I believe it i mean the things especially that guy put his body through it seemed like watching when we were not kids but when we were younger I can imagine having nagging injuries that just keep piling on and on and how frustrating that must be on your mental game, especially from a guy that seems like such a genuinely good, well-spoken dude. So honestly, I mean, I loved Andrew Luck when he played, but if that's the reasonings, I don't think he ever had to release an article like this or have someone help write it, it sounds like, mm -hmm. on, on why. But if that's the reason, then honestly, good for him. I mean, if your life outside of football is more important, that he made a ton of money. He went to Stanford. I'm sure he's doing fine. So, um, if that's your reason, then yeah, I mean, I don't think he ever had to tell the fan base he doesn't know oh the Colts anything. Faith of the Colts fan should kind of should take a backseat. You had two <laughs> generational quarterbacks to get one kind of left you in the preseason, but get over it. It's like if Packers fans get upset if Jordan Love isn't the next coming of God, but <laughs> whatever. He didn't he didn't know the fans anything, so it's nice he did it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was it was good to hear about this money, Mike. I want to ask your thoughts about this, but then I also wanted to kind of bring a little bit more of a serious conversation here. Um, this is something that I've, I've honestly thought about a lot. I've talked to some of my friends about a lot, but I know I haven't talked about it with you guys. So um, in relation to this, obviously we thought that the concussions were the reason why and concussions are a huge topic surrounding football in general. Um, Money Mike, I know you're a guy that, that does want to eventually have kids in your life. Would you allow, if you had a son, would you allow him to play football? I'm curious. I'm curious to hear what you think. Yeah, that's a, a very interesting uh, question because I've thought about that a lot. Um, obviously, I have to meet a girl before I ever think about having kids, but <laughs> that's not <laughs> not what this is about. Um, <laughs> uh, just to piggyback off what Steve was saying real quick before I answer that, uh, I agree. Andrew Luck didn't owe anybody an explanation, um, but it's nice that he put one out there just to kind of be like, hey, this is what was going For those of you who are concerned about it, like, this is why. So I thought that was great. Um, yeah, no, 
I feel like the only the only time I would like when they're young, I would say no. Like Pop Warner, when they're younger, absolutely not. If my son got to a high school age um, that was like, hey, dad, I really want to play football. Um, if they really want to do it and they have a drive and a passion for it, I still would let them play mm-hmm. because I don't want to. You never want to like shit on your kids, like the things that they really aspire to do. That's just a recreational thing. You know, that's not really. It's it's tough because you the end of that sentence is I, that would harm them, but it's like uh, that could harm them. So it, it's, I feel like it's it's a tough one. Uh, hopefully, my kids are going to be like me and be very afraid of physical contact and want to play sports <laughs> like golf and track and field and cross country and basketball, soccer, like the things that don't require you to be really like the only physical contact you get in basketball, they call fouls for it. So they can't be too rough, you know? So, and my kids will probably be super tall. So they'd be good runners or good swimmers, you know? (laughs) So hopefully, hopefully they don't even want to play football. Sure. I'll even talk it down. Like, man, you know how hard that, you know how hard that hit was? That must suck. (laughs) Who (laughs) wants to endure that? There you go. Yeah, just kind of uh, push them away from it when they're young. That that's a good strategy. But no, that that's a... yeah. Plant the seed where they like they yeah. you, so that way you're not a bad parent by shitting on their passion, but you're also being a good parent by keeping them away from the physical contact. There you I go. I don't know. Like, wh- wh- what do you and Kristen talk about that when it comes to if your kid wanted to play football? Is it a flat out no, or is it a we have to really talk about this? And sure. I mean, it's hard right now because no none of us have any kids. But right. Exactly. And I've had some conversations with, with people who do have kids, especially one of my friends has a son too. So, so we, we've been able to have some real conversations about that. But, and Steve, we'll, we'll, we'll ask you about this as well in a second, but um, honestly, it, it's definitely a weird conversation to have, right? Especially for us specifically, we won't get into like the details of it, but we, we've had a pretty crazy thing happen to us when we were in high school as well with a classmate uh, playing, playing on the football field and something tragic happened. We won't go into details, but uh, so that kind of goes into your mind a little bit more because you have more of a personal effect when it comes to viewing your son and being able to sit there and watch him out there on that football field and see how intensely, even at the youngest ages, kids are hitting each other uh, on the football field. It, it makes you very nervous. And I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you, where it's, I hope that they're not really pushing towards it i hope they see it and they're like ah, i don't really want to do that i'm going to stick to less contact sports like basketball i'm hoping they're basketball players if, if i do have a son or a daughter I, I hope they play basketball i love basketball it's my favorite sport that'd be fantastic but any sport other than football is ideal and i think i would agree with you on that if they get older and they really want to try it you and i both played for a year right so it's like yeah. it's kind of hypocritical for us to be like no you can't do it because we did it right no, but I, I to be honest with you on defense, I really didn't try that hard in practice so that you play me. Um, I only wanted to play offense and I only really wanted to play wide receiver because I, I tried quarterback, but they were like, yeah, well, you suck. And you're also <laughs> six foot six. So go catch the ball. So no, of course, I'm not saying we were good at football, but I'm just saying we at least. Tried oh, no, it, I was so. terrible. Yeah. So, so it would make sense to at least allow them to try it if they wanted to. But that's kind of where I'm at. Push them away. But if they really want to try it, you got to let them live their life. Uh, Steve, I, I, I know you and I haven't had the conversation of whether you want to have kids. That's not something you have to share on this podcast. But uh, what are your thoughts on hypothetically if you did have a son if they wanted to play football? Yeah, I mean it's it's fine. I definitely do want kids. Um, stuff I've thought about. I was a wrestler too, so obviously. Great name, I'm, Steve, just so you know. 
What did you say? I said Michael's a great name for a son. Just putting that, that out there. It's my middle name, so that'll work. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I was a wrestler as long as, as well as a runner. But honestly, I did want to play football in high school. My parents were the parents that said, no, find something else. So I, I picked the next thing where I could do contact sports, and that was wrestling for me. Um, which it became a passion of mine too, and it's kind of even gone into today. I, I did some club stuff at Oswego. Um, was gonna didn't want to cut. Yeah, didn't want to cut weight for the real team. I probably could have actually wrestled for Oswego State, but um, I mean, I'm kind of the same boat as you guys. I think a lot of parents are gonna have to come up with that choice and have a discussion with themselves about it and see. But at the end of the day. I like you said. I know you guys were a lot closer to the situation that happened at high school than I was. I, I knew the player and been on teams with them and track, but that definitely weighs in the back of your mind. But like you said, if there is a true passion and they're going to work for it, it's kind of hard to not give your child that that recreational sport they want to play. Um, and you just kind of hope that they don't pick football, maybe because of all the consequences that it could have. Sure. Just, just even, not even just head injuries, just injuries in general. Yeah. Great thing about Syracuse, and I'm not campaigning Drew for you to move back, although it'd be great if you did, is that we're a basketball town. So hopefully the excitement around basketball would be like the way to push them in that direction too. Like that's what, kind of hopefully, you know, the nature versus nurture debate. The 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 nat, the nature part of it is this is a basketball town. Uh, look at all the great Celtic greats that it came up. Like this is the team that we follow here in this household. Uh, if you want to like the Lakers or the Grizzlies or the Knicks, go ahead. But it's really a Celtics household. That's gonna be that's gonna be my <laughs> my my advertising and my marketing uh, to my children. <laughs> there you go. It helps you that our our uh, football program was just infamously bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that and kinda... it, I I can't be I can't be a hypocrite either. I've been injured wrestling as well too, not horribly, but I have also injured someone by a complete accident in wrestling mm-hmm. too. So in contact sports. Uh, things do happen too it's just football as you said kind of seems to be the one that it happens to a lot more exactly but also yeah, and also if you make an impression on your kids when they're really young it'll affect them when they're older but mm-hmm. not so traumatizing right so why when i was a little kid i wanted to play i suggested to my dad i wanted to play hockey i don't know why but i said i want to play hockey and my dad was like no it's too expensive and i think i asked him like maybe twice in like a two-year span to learn how to play hockey and he said no and then i kind of got over it i was like all right cool you know, so. <laughs> yeah, you'll find something else, right? You always end up finding something else that you want. To yeah, I, again, I would rather my kids do things like the theater or or non-contact sports or band, yeah, than do football for sure for their own like physical safety. I totally That's... get that, and I appreciate you guys being candid about that. I, I I thought it was it was gonna be an interesting and, and honestly fun conversation to to have a little bit more of a serious conversation than what we normally have on here. But it's always good for the listeners and viewers to get to know you guys a little bit. So. Uh, there you go. All right, so we'll move. We talked about the the playoff pictures of both the AFC and NFC. We'll so we'll move on to our picks for an exciting Week 14 slate of NFL games this upcoming weekend, starting on Thursday with the Raiders at the Rams. We will not talk about that game because who cares? We only talk about four teams on this podcast, and we are going to start with the New York Jets at the Buffalo Bills. Once I start this freaking music, what the heck is going on here? All right, well. You want me to do it? No, we got it. All right. So, New York Jets at Buffalo Bills rematch of a prior matchup uh, from a few weeks ago in MetLife Stadium where the Jets were able to pull out a close one with Josh Allen. 
playing pretty poor. The Bills offense as a whole playing pretty poor, and Zach Wilson and that offense doing barely enough to get the victory. Uh, Steve, we can start with you here. Do you think the Jets are going to be able to do the same thing and beat the Bills this time around at Highmark Stadium? Nope. The Bills. All right. Quick and to the point. Money Mike, what do you think? Oh, I love movies. And this, to me, looks like a two-part movie. Uh, Revenge Tour, part one. The Bills will win against the Jets. Um, I have I work with a few people that are going to be at this game. One's a Jets fan, one's a Bills fan. So uh, I think that this game will be close. I think it'll be a good game. But I think the Bills will squeak this one out as opposed to losing this one. I think that they'll win this game, and they'll probably win next week against Miami also. Revenge Tour, part one and two. Bills win at home. Wow, Money Mike is in on the revenge for you. He even says right now that he thinks they're going to beat the Dolphins. That's crazy. We'll see if he changes his mind after this game. That I'll is, be at that game. Yes, that's going to be a fun one. They got flexed to December, December 17th, Saturday night. So I'm a critic, but I am fair. <laughs> yes, Money Mike is very realistic, if anything. I will admit that. All right, we'll move on to the next game here, and that is the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Tennessee to beat the Titans. Fun fact for anybody but a Jaguars fan. The Jaguars have not defeated the Tennessee Titans at their stadium in Nashville since 2013. It's been that long. And I think that streak is going to continue. The Jaguars are going to lose to the Titans, and I'm going to continue to be sad. Buddy Mike, do you agree? Yes, 100%. They will, the streak will stay alive. And Steve, do you agree as well? Yes, but I think it'll be close, actually. I will give the nod to the Titans, but I think the Jags will have a bounce back in that they had against the Lions, and I think they actually will show up a little bit more. But I do think the Titans kind of have their number, as you just stated. But I think it will be close within, like, maybe even a field goal or so. It's all about that running game, man. Uh, the, this Titans team is not going to beat us this year. That, that, that's for sure. And I think our weakness has been our, our secondary. So I think I agree with you. I think it's going to be a closer game than people would think. Um, all right, we'll move on to the next game here. Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Giants. Money Mike, we were talking about this a little bit before. Tough matchup. For the Giants, it seems like you are not feeling confident. Not confident at all, but I'm not picking, I will not pick the fucking Philadelphia Eagles to do anything good because they're the team I hate the most in the NFL, even more than Dallas. So, uh, Giants win. I don't know how, but they're going to pull it out. There you <laughs> I'm go. going to sneak it into existence. Go Giants. The straight homer team. Let's go. Or the home, straight homer pick. 100% a homer pick. 100%. <laughs> I am going to pick the Eagles. Steve, what are your thoughts? I, I'm actually torn. I'm going to pick the Eagles, Mike, but I did consider the Giants because I think the Commanders showed, one, it's a divisional game, and they're always close. And, I, I mean, we just saw that the Giants are the Commanders' equals, so... They should be able to get the same results as the Commanders, but I do think that the way the Eagles have been rolling, even lately, again, kind of from a skid, I, I think I'll pick the Eagles this time. But I did consider picking the Giants. We did That's beat them last year, my point. Point. That is a good point with the Commanders. Yeah. I think it'll be closer than people think, though, because I do think on paper people will see it and just again sports psychology thinking about the giants that you've seen the last couple of years even though we've obviously seen them this year play a lot better i think people will see that and see how good the eagles have played and be like oh they're going to beat them by 14 points but i i think this game could actually come down to the wire it's just if if we still trust daniel jones to <laughs> do the last second drive or something so i think that's what <laughs> what might be the kryptonite and why i'm picking the eagles but uh money mike's already rubbing his face all right we'll move on to <laughs> The last game listed here, 
and that is the game that I skipped, actually, so I apologize for that, Steve. Minnesota Vikings at the Detroit Lions. We were talking about this before, that this might be a pretty tough matchup for you guys. Yeah, I... I don't want to go against my own team, especially in the division, but I think the Lions are playing really good football right now. I, I know Drew kind of wanted to jump over it against the Jags, I, and and you can't always be the person that picks your team if you're going to be on a pick league or even with your friends. Um, I, I don't hate the Lions. I actually would hope they make the playoffs this year. That would actually be super cool, and the, the Vikings are going to secure up the division eventually. I think this is a game where I kind of felt this way when I picked Dallas against the Vikings, and we saw how that went. I think the Vikings are kind of drinking their own Kool-Aid again, and they always kind of need some of these games to bring them back. I think the Lions beat the Vikings, and I don't think it's close. I actually think the Lions kind of shred our defense. It was close last time we played, and I think that our offense won't be able to keep up this time. I, I would love it if, obviously, the Vikings win. Just keep it rolling, clinch the division. I would love it if we beat everyone in the NFC North and we didn't lose to any of them this year. But I do think we're going to drop at least one game to our division, and I just hope it's not the fucking Packers. So I'll pick Chicago, probably. Justin Fields to run all over us and probably the Lions this week. So. All right. Well, uh, Vikings are my Super Bowl pick, so I'm going with them. Ride or die, baby. Buddy Mike, what do you think? I actually agree with Steve. I think the Lions are going to win. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but this first matchup was really close, and I thought the Lions had really their chances to win. And last year, who did the Lions get their first win against? At home against the Vikings. So I feel like they'll be confident in this game, and they've been playing really well right now, so I think that the Lions will win this game and continue to be that team on the outside looking into a, possibly a playoff spot. So definitely uh, – the Detroit Lions. Now, I'm not rooting for them to take a spot away from the Giants, but if they do make the playoffs, it's like they're that underdog team that you would root for, so uh, can't hate the Lions. Um, I want Minnesota to win because I want to make sure that as little as possible competition for the Giants to get into the playoffs, but I think Detroit's going to pull it out. All right, Dallas and Kansas City are locks, boys. Pretty easy, right? Um... Yeah, well, first of all, I think if you're a betting person, uh, if you have to put your money on one team this week, sorry, Drew, you got to go with Tennessee against Jacksonville <laughs> because Tennessee just always beats you guys. Um, Carolina always plays people tough, and Ian has said before, the Panthers always string together wins late in the season. They always make some kind of run. So I don't think the Panthers-Seattle game is a lock for Seattle. I think Seattle should win, but I don't think it's necessarily a lock. Nope. Um, and then Dallas is playing – yeah, yeah, Dallas is a lock too. <laughs> Dallas is the lock of this. Of this yeah, game, for sure. I agree. But, uh, I feel like a lot of people already picked Dallas in their survivor pools earlier in the year, so they probably don't have true. Dallas left on their board. Yeah, that's true. You gotta kind of gotta dig deep here, but yeah, that Houston team is not looking good. All right. Well, real quickly before we jump off the football topic, I want to give a shout out to some people uh, in this chat here. Ian is actually gifted us five subs. So shout out to Ian. That is not a cheap venture. So thank you very much for the support, my friend. And also my brother, Anthony, subscribed to us earlier as well. He's been subscribed for 24 months. Oh, Tony. <laughs> Tony. Hell yeah. Uh, yep. So thank you guys for that. And now we will move on to, I'm sure, the topic of conversation that Sir Burrito Bandit has been waiting for and that Money Mike will lead. And that is the fact that the Aaron Judge situation is actually still up in the air. There was some... Some scary propositions for Burrito here that Aaron Judge has signed with the San Francisco Giants. But that turned out to not be a lock, not be true. So, Money Mike, do you think that Aaron Judge is moving on from the Yankees still, or do you think it's still just completely up in the air? I think it's still completely up in the air. I think that they have made rumored a big offer of $360 million, um for Aaron Judge. 
um, and that he, you know, there were so many rumors around about the San Francisco Giants because he's from Oakland. He wrote in his yearbook, supposedly, that he wanted to someday play for the San Francisco Giants uh, when he graduated high school. So there's that emotional tug there. Um, but and I, I when I saw the story that he was signing with the Giants, I was really excited and I was like, yes, because they're, they're not in the American League. So they're never really playing against the Red Sox. And I've always kind of liked the San Francisco Giants. So I was like you know, cool. And I had already thought of a really cool dad joke for him playing for the giants, which was what are the San Francisco giants and Aaron judge have in common? They both left New York city, (laughs) 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 but uh, no, it's still up in the air. It was just a reporter who wanted to be like the guy who broke the story and it wasn't confirmed yet. So like when I first heard it, I didn't see any breaking news on ESPN or Fox sports. I was like, is this real? Because I saw a breaking news the other night, so I, I was telling you, I didn't watch the Sunday night football game. I actually watched a movie I'd never seen before, which was Captain Phillips with Tom Hanks. Oh. Never saw that movie, and I was wanted to see it, so I watched that. It was really good. I turn off the movie, I look at my phone, and I see breaking news: Aaron Judge just signed with the Mets. And I was like, "What?" You know, I, I thought like, "Okay, Verlander goes there, Aaron Judge. The Mets are clearly trying to to win now." But it was a fake story, so I think it's still up in the air. And I still think the Yankees might be the favorite to still land Aaron Judge. Um. There's obviously all those rumors with the two California teams because he's from California with the Dodgers and the hometown team being the Giants. Because uh, obviously, even though he's from Oakland, the A's are not in contention because Aaron Judge's whole contract is the A's payroll. Um, so <laughs> it's a no shot of that happening. Yeah. Uh, but, no, but it's, you know, it's always exciting when a really big player in any sport is a free agent and you're trying to figure out where they're going to go. I don't think Aaron Judge is going to be so egotistical that he has a televised event like LeBron James did in 2010. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that's. I am curious where he's going to take his talents. Is he going to take his talents to the Bay? Is he going to take his talents to Hollywood? Is he going to keep his talents in New York City? It's a, it's just an interesting story and it's fun to follow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every anytime a big name in a sport moves, everybody is kind of waiting to see what their decision is. Now you don't have to go and make a big production like you said, like LeBron James did. Um, where he's taking his talents, but we'll 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 see where he goes. It would be pretty cool if he went to the Mets. I would say that would be fun to watch for for Ian in the chat. He's a Mets fan. I, maybe I would tune into a couple games here and there. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll wait to see what happens here. I know Burrito is waiting impatiently for them to finally sign this man. Throw the bag at him, as Money Mike would agree. Um, as we've had that conversation before. Yeah, I feel like if George Steinbrenner was still alive, he'd be a Yankee no matter what. Because I think George Steinbrenner's approach would be, let's see what these other clubs offer, and we'll throw more at him because he's our guy. Like, yeah. But I don't think the Yankees are like that anymore. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. We I don't know. I just, I, I'll just be happy if he's not a Yankee anymore because I hate the Yankees. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Sir Burrito. We have Giants love together, but uh, I, can't, I, I can't say I love the Yankees. Sorry. <laughs> Well, it seemed that we all could say that we were at least rooting for was the U.S. men's national soccer team as they were facing Netherlands in the World Cup here in the round of 16. And unfortunately, they fall to the Netherlands 3-1 to in a game where they were able to get some shots on goal. They had some opportunities, but they unfortunately were not able to take advantage of them. Meanwhile, Netherlands was able to score at a very efficient clip. Uh, they were able to score two goals in the first half in very few shots, one goal coming in the final minute of the half that kind of just felt like such a demoralizer for the team the u.s was able to come back and score and score a goal in the 76th minute but then immediately afterwards netherlands scored another goal to make it three to one and basically ice the game and end the usa's hopes in making it far into the world cup tournament steve 
What are your thoughts on how this game went? What are your thoughts on how the World Cup went in general for the U.S.? And are you gonna, going to continue following the tournament? And uh, if so, who do you think are the favorites? Yeah, um, one, I think this U.S. team really um, performed well. I know I did a quick preview of the World Cup and said that them honestly getting out of that group, which was going to be more difficult than we thought, and we saw the way the U.S. played. They played decently well. I mean, our goalkeeper gave up one goal, yeah, two goals, I guess, the entire um, group stage, which is amazing to do. I mean, we've seen how many goals some of these upper teams have been putting out, at least lately in the, the quarterfinals, it appears to be, the round of 16. But um, I, I don't think, obviously, the U.S. is never going to win a World Cup, at least for a, a while. <laughs> um, we're we're going to have to get a lot better at soccer really quickly. Um, but I think that them getting out of group stage for being the youngest team in the World Cup is a huge deal, though. I mean, it's also not nothing at the same time. I think that this team can hopefully grow in the next four years, play some more of these big international teams, and hopefully get some more experience under their belts and come back. And hopefully they can win a game during the knockouts. That would that would be a great next step. We haven't done, them, done that since, I think, 2 I think they won one, um, so that'd be huge. But we we, we were not going to beat the Netherlands. I mean, it, it was fun to think, but you could even see, like you said, that first goal, it looked like they even just got out hustled to the ball. And then the second one was just demoralizing and just what a good team does. They took advantage when the U.S. doesn't. And yeah, it does seem like the U.S. team needs some more offensive dynamic players. We have a solid defense, but that probably is what they're lacking, and that's what a lot of these other international teams have some stars. Yeah. So, um, and to answer your other question, yeah, I'll probably follow up and watch some more of the bigger ones. There was actually some really good games today I had on during work. We had our work Christmas party kind of all day, so I put on the World Cup. The Morocco game was really cool to watch them beat Spain and PT. So, will I w- watch every game? Probably not, but I'll probably watch the finals the last couple ones. But Who do you think is the favorite to win it all that's left in the tournament? Ooh, probably Brazil, but there's definitely some sleepers out there. Um, Portugal's also up there. They played fucking crazy today. Um, those are probably my two picks. If I had to put money on it, I'd probably say Brazil. But then also you can't count on any of the good European teams getting hot. France looks decent. Obviously, the Netherlands looks pretty good. Um, France has to play England. That's going to be yep. That, that should be a good game. England looks really good, too. I mean, they didn't play the U.S. really well, but they played a lot of their other games pretty decently well. So, yeah. Um, but if I had to put money on it, I'd probably say Brazil. All right. Well, it sounds like there's some interesting soccer to be played. To continue in this World Cup, I will admit I probably won't watch any more of it. Uh, when the game when oh, the game was over well, between the U.S. and the Netherlands, I was like, all right, I guess I'll see you in four years, soccer. Um, hot, yeah. hot take. I think that South Korea would have done a lot better if they had Kyle Fisk on their team. There you go. Yeah, the that was their that was their big himself. mistake when they were recruiting their they were recruiting the best players. Uh, they, they, that's who they should have had. Although he wouldn't have qualified for South Korea's team. He he's an American, so he would have had to play for us, which yeah. also would have made America better. So, yeah. sh- shame on South Korea. Shame on Team USA. The greatest striker in the history of Phoenix soccer. I will take that to my grave. All right. We'll uh, move move on to the next topic of conversation here. Only a couple more for you guys. I know this is a little bit of a longer podcast, but there's been a lot to talk about. Uh, Syracuse basketball. Uh, they have had a very up and down season, to say the least. Obviously, they've dropped a couple games they probably shouldn't have dropped, and then they just won a game that was huge. Honestly, they they were facing a Notre Dame team six and one, 
and they were able to pull out a close one, 62-61. to 61. Jesse Edwards has really developed into the leader of this team in terms of a guy that, that really carries the offensive load, it seems, over the, at least the past few games. Like, like, the fact that he was able to put up over 20 points against Notre Dame, like, how crazy is that? Money Mike, what is that face you're making? I'm just looking at this photo you've picked, and it just looks like the basketball hit him really hard in the nards. <laughs> And then I said he carries the, the load. Huh? Making, I'm like, oh, because I, I, I wasn't able to watch the Notre Dame game because I was at work. So I was like, did he get hit in the crotch? And he's like, but he scrambles the ball up and still dunks it on Notre Dame. I don't know. But that's just, I'm like, well, I'm trying to figure this picture out. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, Syracuse has been up and down. I certainly saw their down when they lost to Colgate. And I'm going to be seeing them this weekend. I'm going to be at the Georgetown game on Saturday. So I'll be there to witness that. Uh, just Gerard sucks. And <laughs> yeah, that's forced Edwards to be the guy to carry the offense because it was supposed to be him and Gerard leading the charge yeah. to help these new freshmen out because we're such a young team. But Gerard has just been god awful, awful. I, I feel like this team goes with Judah Mintz as well because because Judah yeah. Mintz has had some games where he's looked fantastic, and then there are other games where he looks like a freshman that needs to kind of learn how to slow the game down and make plays as a point guard. Steve, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, that's the point I was kind of going to make, too. Um, I'm over Joe Girard. He can sit the bench for the rest of the season for all I care. I mean, I've never been a Joe Girard fan, but obviously the hype coming in when he first came in there as a freshman <laughs> was was there. But I, I don't know. I'm 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 I've been over him as an SU fan. So, yeah, yeah I've been more excited for someone to be a senior in my life. Yeah, this is the Jesse Edwards show. I, I hope him well in life, but I don't want to see him play basketball anymore, if I'm being honest. Um, so, obviously, so you, don't want Utah to, you don't want Utah to draft him? No, no, that would make me not a Jazz fan. <laughs> I, I, I don't need any more Doughboy Gerard on any of my teams watching him. I'd rather get Jimmer Fredette out of retirement somewhere in Utah his Mormon roots and and do that so <laughs> but yeah like you said this is going to be an up and down season I think it's going to be it's going to be how the season's going to roll for a SU fan so buckle up because there might be some tough stretches during the AFC run and then maybe there might be some really nice runs during that stretch too yeah. so you never know what you're going to get with the Syracuse team but the one thing is for certain that Jesse Edwards has been forced to develop as a player quicker than I think any other Syracuse player that, that we've seen in a long time. I mean, the fact that he has gone from the, the guy that couldn't even catch the ball when he came in as a freshman, and now he's he's leading the team in, in a role that we haven't seen in a while where a big man is the one doing the scoring for a Syracuse team. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing to see. It's a different recipe, and, and I kind of like it. So I, I hope it develops into something good. Uh, last topic of the day, quick NBA update as we do on this podcast. Uh, Steve, we can start with you. How are the Utah Jazz looking these days? It, they're getting to be where they probably should be. <laughs> they're they're eighth in eighth in the West, second their division. Not that it really truly matters in that in NBA, but they're fourteen and twelve. And again, this is kind of where after the high of seeing how they played the first couple weeks, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, they're the top of the West. This team plays well." I do think they play really well together. I think it's a really awesome strength they have. They don't have any real, like, true superstars, but they do play well together as a team. And I think that this is probably where we're going to see them is probably in that, that play-in game, the 7, 8, 9 range in the playoffs, somewhere around there. So this is probably where I expect to see the Jazz for most of the season. Maybe even dip down below there, then maybe make a little bit of a run to try to hit that 
playing spot. But again, I'm not even upset by it because I thought they were going to be the worst team in the NBA and they're not. So, <laughs> and we have 13 unrestricted draft picks in the next four years. So yeah, the, okay. the future is pretty bright, especially with some young good studs that are developing, getting experience. So it sounds like if you guys make your way into the playoffs this season, it will be a colossal victory. And then going forward, yeah, for it, can sure. only, it can only go up. So that that's great to hear. Glad to see that the jazz are still at least uh, having some success and hopefully it'll continue for you. Money Mike, I know you've been waiting about waiting for this for a long time. Uh, I know the Boston Celtics are looking pretty good these days, huh? are the best team in the National Basketball Association as of today. They are 20 and 5. They're the only team to have 20 wins this early in the year. Um Jason Tatum is looking like an MVP candidate, averaging 30 points, uh eight rebounds a game. Uh he's playing fantastic. Jalen Brown is averaging 26 points a game. So you're getting 56 points from your two biggest stars. The Celtics on average score five more three-pointers than their opponents. So they initially already have a 15-point advantage against everybody that they play. Uh, statistically, the Celtics are starting off as the most efficient offense in NBA history wow. with their offensive efficiency. So if they keep up the pace they're on right now, they would be the most efficient offense in the history of basketball. Um, and they haven't had a coach and player be players of player coach combo of the month uh, since Larry Bird and the coach at the time uh, was, I think, Sam Jones in 1986. And we all know the Boston uh, Celtics won in 1986, the NBA championship. So I'm not going to, you know, a lot can happen. You know, you got to stay healthy and you got to get through the marathon that a season is. But this first quarter of the season has gone really well for the Boston Celtics. They're the number one seed in the East. Um, and uh, they're just looking really good against everybody they play. I mean, they've, they have only lost to three teams in their five games. They lost two games to Cleveland, two games to Chicago, and they dropped one to Miami. But you're not going to win every game in the NBA, but the Celtics, for the most part, are winning night in, night out. And usually, you know, I, I've been watching every game this year, and I've really been enjoying that. But I used to always think, oh, the NBA regular season is kind of a brush over. They don't really play that hard. Now, everybody's playing really hard right now. In the, and I don't know if it's because the Celtics, teams that are playing the Celtics are like, okay, this is the best team in the league, so we have to do what we can to try to see where we stand with them. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like even teams, like if you watch a game between like Sacramento and Orlando, it's a tight game that they're playing hard the whole way. I mean, I think it's just uh, it's been really fun to follow the NBA this season. And uh, obviously with my team being good, it makes it that much more fun. But like a cool story today was LeBron played against Cleveland tonight in Cleveland. You know, he had all those years with the Cavs and the Cavs still were able to win. So Hell yeah. Uh, Mitchell, we, have, we have an NBA Finals preview possibly tomorrow between the Suns and the Celtics. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be on ESPN for everybody to see at 10 o'clock. So I know I'm going to go into work really tired on Thursday morning because I'm staying up to watch the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's it's great to see that you're so excited to watch your team this early at the NBA season because sometimes it, it can be tough to get as invested when there's so many games to watch throughout the season. Shout-out to Donovan Mitchell, as Steve said. Hopefully the Cavs keep win uh, continuing their winning ways. I know you still root for the guy. He was a big player for you guys, so that's awesome. Real quickly, Sir Burrito Band in the chat, chat is very eager to hear about how the Raptors are doing the season. They are currently 12-12, and 12, number 8 seed in the NBA uh, or in the Eastern well, they, Conference. They just lost to the Celtics last night. But they played them tough. They played them tough. So it's uh, the, I think that the Raptors are a team that would be, uh, you know, com competitive against whoever they played if they make it into the playoffs. Yeah, and right now and they play hard. Exactly. Well coached, and they play hard. If the There's a Utah to Jazz today, of the East. <laughs> there you go. If the playoffs were to start today, the Raptors would be in. So things are looking okay in that department. But 
All right, well, great to hear that both your guys' teams in the NBA are doing well. Maybe one of these days I'll actually adopt a team and be able to add a little bit more to the conversation. But alas, we will move on to our outro here. As we say that this was a fantastic episode, I think we were able to cover a lot here, talk about a lot of exciting things in the NFL and outside of it as well, talk a little bit about your your personal lives, give our viewers and listeners a little bit more of a window into the life of Money Mike Gilchrist and Steve the Oracle Denblaker. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, episode 97 of Another Damn Sports Podcast. We're approaching episode 100. Thank you so much to everybody who has listened and watched over the years. We will continue to do this because this is a fun damn time. Hope you guys enjoy week 14 of the NFL season and take care.